Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Uh, I'm going to go very quickly, just a quick comment on what's going on in terms of testimony with Ambassador Sondland, and I just noticed one thing, and I would say... That means it's all over. What do you want from Ukraine? He asks me, screaming. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories. This is Ambassador Sondland speaking to me. Just happened. To which I turned off the television. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories. What do you want? What do you want? It was a very short and abrupt conversation that he had with me. They said he was not in a good mood. I'm always in a good mood. I don't know what that is. He just said, now he's talking about what my response. So he's going, what do you want? What do you want? I hear all these theories. What do you want? Right? And now here's my response that he gave. Just gave. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? I want nothing. That's what I want from Ukraine. That's what I said. I want nothing. I said it twice. So he goes, he asked me the question, what do you want? I keep hearing all these things. What do you want? He finally gets me. I don't know him very well. I have not spoken to him much. This is not a man I know well. Seems like a nice guy, though. But I don't know him well. He was with other candidates. He actually supported other candidates. Not me. Came in late. But here's my response. Now, if you weren't fake news, you'd cover it properly. I say to the ambassador in response, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky, President Zelensky, to do the right thing. So here's my answer. I want nothing. I want nothing. All right, let's stop right here. You know, I got to tell you, today has been a seesaw day for me and the staff, worse than any day before. And I will go into every detail of what happened. I mean, it started with Ken Starr coming out saying that the senators might consider having to make a trip to the White House after Sondland's testimony. That was early in the day. I thought it was all over when I read that. And then I looked into that, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Ken Starr came out as emphatic, saying that this could be the, the bad news day for Trump, that it's a game changer, and saying that articles of impeachment are being drawn up if they haven't already been drawn up over Sondland's testimony. And he said, this is a bombshell day. Well, I was in a state of shock to believe that Ken Starr would say a thing like this. But making it worse was not that such a statement by Ken Starr had appeared on Daily Beast, which is an anti-American site run by a deviant, but that it appeared on Newsmax, run by Chris Ruddy, Chris Ruddy, a friend of mine and a good friend of the president. I said, what? Sondland Giolani pushed for Ukraine quid pro quo. I said, if Chris Ruddy is running that, this is really a bad day. Then I watch on and off, watch on and off. I look at the Drudge Report. Drudge is saying it's all over. 
saying the ambassador drops bombs, followed president's orders, making it like a mafia trial. Then Drudge says Giuliani pushed quid pro quo. Pence knew they're trying to decapitate the entire government. I told you this, by the way. Pelosi is an insane woman. Pelosi sits in front of that mirror, and when she puts on the seventh layer of pancake makeup, she sees President Pelosi. And she's using her surf, Adam Schiffless, a man without a country after this, to try to decapitate not just President Trump, but Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Pompeo. She is a mad woman trying to decapitate the entire American government. And I got to tell you, it was very anguishing for me to watch this this morning, and I thought it would be possibly the end of the road. And then I watched Sondland's testimony for the rest of the morning on and off. And once again, the snake, this fork-tongued Sondland, this hotelier, changes again and says the opposite. He says, no, no, there was no quid pro quo, none whatsoever. So you don't know what to make of this. The only thing you could make of all of this if you're sitting in the middle and you want it all over so you can enjoy your life in America again, is something that I tweeted a little earlier, which I think summarizes it for me. And it was this, the mafia, D-E-M-A-I-F-A, I combined Democrat and mafia together. The mafia stealing Thanksgiving from Americans. When will this end? Does Pelosi not understand that she is destroying the American people? Does Pelosi not understand how evil and mean she looks right now? We all know what Schiff looks like, a bug-eyed, drug-addicted lunatic with those eyes. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I can read people. The man is a psycho, but he's not behind it. The one pulling the strings on this puppet is Pelosi. Does Pelosi understand that Americans are fed up with her? Does Pelosi understand that our entire stinking rotten party is seen as a group of mean anti-Americans who want to destroy this nation, not just the president, that they want to take the last vestiges of happiness that we may have. Here we have Thanksgiving coming up next week. Many people are on the road already. They're leaving today. They're leaving tomorrow. They're leaving Friday. They're going away to be with family. A simple American holiday, sit around and have a poultry together. Piece of poultry, uh, this or that. It's an American tradition. Even non-Americans who come here like to have a turkey on Thanksgiving, except the mean, horrible vegans. They eat a tofu turkey, starve their children to death and put them in a, in a hospital, <clears throat> making them eat a tofu turkey. But putting that aside, <clears throat> this is supposed to be a holiday season. The people want relief from this. Why would that demonic Nancy Pelosi have pushed three more hearings this week after torturing us last week with... Uh, two, I think, two inconclusive hearings that went nowhere. Why would she use this low-grade lawyer, Schiff, to torture America again t- uh, this week? Three. And then to top it off tonight? Tonight, what do you think you got tonight to look forward to before a holiday? The Stooges, the Democrat, anti-American, anti-Christian, anti-male uh, Stooges will get up there tonight and attack America again. How can anyone... Vote for a Democrat again. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You don't like Trump. You don't like his mannerisms. You don't like his ways. You wish he would just stop being so rude and crude. You wish he would just calm down. But do you really want a communist taking over this country? And you, you think I'm exaggerating, don't you? I want you to understand that there is not a Democrat on that stage, with the exception of one, 
who is not pushing the identical platform that the Communist Party USA has been pushing for many years now. It is one and the same. It's almost indistinguishable. So he says, well, what's wrong with communism? Well, ask the 100 million people who were killed in the name of communism in the last century. Ask the Cambodians who were driven into graves while they were alive by Pol Pot, a nice, mild-mannered college teacher who went to Paris to study uh, Marxism, came back revolutionized like occasional cortex, and instituted communist policies, which he said were just socialist policies that would make most Cambodians have a more fair life. And he conducted a war against the middle class, which resulted in a mountain of human skulls. He himself didn't do it, of course. Just as Hitler didn't actually put the Jews into the ovens, he had others do it. Pelosi wouldn't put you in an oven. But believe me, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, of leftists who would put you in an oven, who would gladly put you into an oven, turn you into field fodder. And you got that tonight to listen to? The bashing of white people, which is resulting, by the way, in an epidemic of attacks, random attacks on white people in this country. You, you deny it? I don't care whether you deny it. I know reality. I study the news. You don't. There are now random attacks on white people from New York City to San Francisco, and it's being fueled by the Democrat debates. It's being fueled by the Democrat socialist mayors. It's being fueled by the criminal district attorneys who were supported and put in power by George Soros to not prosecute so-called low-grade crimes. That's what's going to be on the stage tonight before Thanksgiving. So it's constant negativity. It's constant beating up America, beating up Americans, beating up the system, beating up the presidency. But the utter madness is coming from Pelosi. Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She sets the rules. Pelosi sits in front of that makeup mirror as sure as I'm sitting here. Early in the morning when she puts on the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth layer of pancake makeup. And each layer like a sort of stuff that you put over a cracking house, a house that's cracked a long time ago, and you put stucco on it, more and more stucco. And the layers, you can't get them thick enough because the stucco is so weak and so cracked. By the time she has put on the last filling layer, and she has said to herself, like the Ukrainian candidate that she is, not the Manchurian candidate, but the Ukrainian candidate that she is, she says, President Pelosi... President Pelosi. I will be President Pelosi. And true to form, true to form, her lawyers, her little lawyers are now trying to tie the entire administration to Donald Trump and bring down the entire government. Do you understand what they're doing? They're not just going after Donald Trump. They're trying to bring down Trump, Pence, Pompeo. They're so power mad. They are so out of their gourds on whatever the hell they are on that they actually think that they can decapitate the entire American government and it will be President Pelosi. That's what they're doing. The damn mafia is stealing Thanksgiving from Americans. When will this end? Let's talk about it. The phone number here is 855-400-7282. 855-400-SAVAGE. This Sondland thing today, the debate tonight, oh, we can talk about it, or we can talk about this. What are you doing for inspiration during this darkness that Pelosi has blanketed America with? What are you doing to survive Pelosi's insanity that she is throwing over the nation? 
What are you doing? What am I doing? I am having dreams about this. It has infected my subconscious. The, ha- the hatred, the drug-induced frenzy that this shift is putting us in. He's trying to hypnotize America into believing that everyone on Trump's team is a criminal who needs to be in prison. He is fueling racial hatred. He is fueling class warfare. And what are you, the average American, doing? Tuning out? Remember what Timothy Leary said, turn on, tune in, drop out? What are you actually doing? Are you turning, are you turning on, tuning in, and tuning out? Are you not tuning in? What do you do for inspiration? Me? I feed seagulls bread. I watch nature. I play with my dogs. I take a bicycle ride. I watch the cloud forms. I look at the water. I breathe the air. And I ask, how in God's name has a criminal gangster like this party, a criminal gang like this party, taken over America right in front of our eyes? What are you doing for inspiration? When will it end? Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, when an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? Well, your first answer is I'll run to the grocery store. Well, you're going to find chaos and nothing but empty shelves, as we saw in Northern California recently with the fires and the electrical breakdown. How do you avoid this? It's simple. Use today to make a plan for tomorrow. You prepare. One practical place to start is by storing food in your home. That way, you and your family are protected in case there's a weather emergency, natural disaster, or long-term power outage. Now, look, I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. You can, too. They make it easy. They make it easy for you to do so. Listen to this. Right now, they're offering a limited-time, low price exclusively for my listeners on two very popular emergency food kits. Please go to my special website, preparewithsavage.com, to see them both and order them. Preparewithsavage.com. And what are you going to see at preparewithsavage.com? You're going to see food kits, which include breakfast, lunches, and dinners that last up to 25 years in storage. My Patriot Supply will ship these kits discreetly to your door with guaranteed two-day delivery. No one will know what's in those packages. Please do it now at preparewithsavage.com. That's preparewithsavage.com. You will thank me for this. I guarantee it. Preparewithsavage.com now. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Are there any therapists who listen to this show who are seeing patients who are having trouble because of the darkness that Pelosi is inflicting upon America? Are there any therapists, psychiatrists, um, lay therapists who are seeing Americans who are literally falling apart because of what Pelosi is trying to do to this nation. When you see the evil face of Schiff, and you know that he's nothing but a filthy, disgusting, vermin lawyer, he's the kind of lawyer who destroyed you in a divorce. He's the kind of lawyer your wife got to take everything away from you. He's the kind of fast-talking scumbag that took your house away from you because you missed the payment. Schiff is the kind of scumbag. I never use this word, but I'm going to use it 50 times. Schiff is the lowest kind of filth on the bottom of a shoe lawyer that has done the evil in this country that Americans have come to hate hate lawyers more than any other profession. Schiff represents the evils of class action lawsuits. Schiff is the kind of filthy doctor 
who performs unnecessary surgeries in order to uh, bill Medicaid. If Schiff were a doctor and he were performing kidney surgery, he's the kind of doctor who would remove the other kidney and sell it to someone in India for a profit. You want me to go down the list? Because I can do it pretty good. But you know, this is not fun anymore. I'm watching Pelosi trying to decapitate the entire country. I'm calling her the Ukrainian candidate. It kind of fits, like the Manchurian candidate, can you make the leap? Something is so wrong with this picture that it would take a fiction writer to, to, to write this story. There's a madness here, like the Queen of Diamonds. Doesn't she understand that most Americans have had enough of this? Doesn't that maniac Schiff understand what he is doing to himself, to the legal profession, to the Democrats, and to the Jewish people? There, I've said it. Does he not understand that he is the stereotype of the evil lawyer? Does he not understand that most Americans can see right through him? Does he think that everyone outside of Los Angeles and New York is stupid and we can't look right through him? I don't know about you, but I'm going to fight back as long as I can. I'm going to fight back with every, every tool that I have on this show, on Twitter, on Facebook, on my website, michaelsavage.com. I'm not going to sit here and let my country be destroyed. I'm not going to see Thanksgiving destroyed by Pelosi's madness. Do you understand what she's doing to this country? How she had hearings last week, then three more this week, and that next week these bums are off because they're off for the Thanksgiving holiday where they're going to celebrate destroying America? Where is she going to go, Pelosi, for her Thanksgiving? Whose party is she going to? Who's coming to her party? The Gettys on the Hill? The distinguished Getty inheritance cases on uh, Pacific Heights? Or will she be visiting the Feinsteins, the, the esteemed Feinsteins down the street? And what do they do at their Thanksgiving table? Laugh at the little idiots out there who they have gotten over on for the last 35 years? And now they're trying to finish the job once and for all. Wasn't good enough for them that they made a fortune upon a fortune upon a fortune. Wasn't good enough. Now they have to steal America right out from under the Americans' feet. If you actually think that 65 million Americans are going to sit here and take it, I think they're insane. They're more insane than I think they are. There will be a revolution if they try to decapitate this government with false charges. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The Purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. 
It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Today is a terrible, terrible day. What an up and down day this has been. It's a seesaw. Ken Starr this morning, morning said that there will be articles of impeachment and it's going to be like Nixon and it's going to be uh, senators going in to make a trip to the White I couldn't believe this morning. And then I sat there watching Sondland, this fork-tongued guy. He was smiling like a nice guy. But he said one thing behind closed doors, that there was no quid pro quo. And then when in front of the cameras, he said another thing. So I looked up Sondland. Sondland owns a chain of hotels in the Northwest with his family money. He invested with his brother-in-law's money. And they take old hotels in old failing cities and they renovate them. Good for him. Good businessman. I think he's just protecting his hotel chain, by the way. If you want to ask me, it's all self-interest. No one made him become an ambassador. He's the one who paid a million dollars to become an ambassador to where? What's he an ambassador to? The EU? It's a big job. That's a lot of countries. That's a lot of countries that he's got to deal with. And then he changed his opinion and changed his speech to, the real hero today to me is Jim Jordan. I don't know if you watched any of this. There are some new Republican ballsy guys who have my respect. And the number one, and not the only one, is someone named Jim Jordan from Texas. I, I tell you, this guy is fantastic. He's a real man. And he tore into him. He railed against him. Didn't let him wiggle out of it. He said, he said a lot of things. We'll, have, we'll get to that later. I need five hours today to do the show properly. But let me begin back in the morning with Ken Starr setting off the alarm bells in clip five. Listen to this from this morning. The real issue is the senators are watching. Are senators going to now say, in light of what we hear today, it's going to be a long day, even with, with uh, the ambassador alone. In light of what we have heard, we need to make a trip down to the White House. That historic example set during the Nixon presidency. From what I've been able to glean, I don't think that's going to happen. But obviously, what happens today could, has the potential to be a game changer. Look what Ken Starr just did, double talk. What is this? All of these people on medication, they all say two things at once. Is there anyone listening to this show who can explain to me what, what's happening that even Ken Starr is now talking out of both sides of his mouth at the same time? Sondland talked out of both sides of his mouth at the same time. What is causing this in America? Is it the drug use? Is it the rampant use of antipsychotic medication, antidepressant medication, sleeping pills like Ambien that these people are on? I don't understand it. I was raised by a father, a, an immigrant, who wouldn't let me get away with lying about anything. He made me, he made me cry if I he caught me in a lie. He would hold me and make me tell him the truth. 
He would make me tell him the truth. You know, kids will say anything to get out of a difficult situation. And he would say, what do you mean? What are you actually saying? He made me answer him straight and directly, which I try to do for you today on the, and every day, by the way, on the, on the radio. Otherwise, it's impossible to do this job. If you speak out of both sides of your mouth, as many who are lawyers will do in and out of the media, it's why we don't trust lawyers. We know lawyers are trained to speak out of both sides of their mouth. And we don't trust lawyers, by and large, for that reason. And as a result of that, people have no faith in the legal system. The legal system is the most hated system in the country. They're the lowest form of uh, professions. But this is not just about Donald Trump anymore. This is about America, the conscience of America, the heart of America, the soul of America. And what Pelosi and her gang of lawyers are doing to this country is a criminal act. They're not trying to get at the truth of what happened here. They didn't need to have these Stalinist show trials go on for two weeks now and then into 2020 right up to the election. They are committing a crime. They've hijacked the system. You talk about bribery. What Pelosi is doing with this hearing is outright bribery. She's outright bribing the voter in America with the lies of these lawyers that she hired. And what is what is it effect on the psyche of America? Where's the happiness and joy in this country? What has this woman done in her life to think she has the right to destroy a holiday season like this? What has she done? She has accrued more wealth and power than any person in American history in, in office. Not directly, not illegally, but while in office. She's gotten more power than anyone in in my lifetime that I've ever seen. And she's using the power to try and gain the ultimate power, which is the presidency. President Pelosi is what she sees in the mirror as she talks to herself in the morning. She sits and talks to herself, then she comes out and does nonstop press conferences. From morning till night, this old hag, this octogenarian, this harridan, doesn't stop smiling like she's a beauty queen. How much can America take of this hatred? What's going to happen? Someone's going to snap. Uh, I could go on and on in my soliloquy, but I'm not Shakespeare. I'm becoming King Lear from this. Not Shakespeare, but one of his subjects, one of his written subjects. I'm like King Lear. I march around in my studio at night and in the morning, and I ask myself, how does an obviously criminal enterprise like the Democrat Party, which has catered to the illegal alien now for 15 to 20 years, this criminal enterprise, which wouldn't be in power for one day if there was legitimate voter ID, certainly in the state of California, probably in many other states, they argue against voter ID because they know that the American people are on to them. They bring in illiterate people from the third world who all vote by machine. The SEIU, the Service Employee International Union, is owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Democrat Party in California. That is how the governorship was uh, taken, the Senate seats, the congressional seats. That is why we have a one-party system on the order of any dictatorship on earth. I want to ask all of you good liberals out there, do you really want a one-party system in this country? You keep talking about checks and balances. Pelosi mouths the words, checks and balances. Schiff mouths the word, 
where it's checks and balances. And yet they work towards a monolithic government run by their party only, with no opposition, no voices of opposition. The newspapers, as you well know, are all 100%, 99.9% owned by the Democrat machine. The good news here is that the McClatchy News Service is filing for, it's on the verge of bankruptcy. They own all these newspapers, McClatchy. Every time they take over a paper, they put liberals in and people stop buying it, whether it's the Fresno Bee, used to be a middle-of-the-road paper. They destroyed it with the psychopaths from San Francisco who they hired to run the newsrooms. People stop buying it. Then they blame it on the print newsprint. They blame it on the internet. They blame it on everything but the psychopath boys and girls that they hire from San Francisco and Los Angeles to run their papers out of Sacramento. So the good news is people are not buying the propaganda sheets. But that's not going to save America. Where is the heart and soul of America going to go for inspiration? Where does this go if we let this one party of gangsters get control of this country? Now, I want to tell you something. I come from an immigrant family. They all voted Democrat their whole life. That's the way it was. That's how I was raised. I won't go through my evolution and my awakening. And I won't sit here and tell you that Trump is my hero and that he's the greatest man on earth. I'm not going to say that to you. But I will say this to you. Watching the Democrat candidates as I have and listening to their hatred for white people, their hatred for straight people, their hatred for Christianity, their hatred for every institution I believe in, their hatred for the law. I would rather not vote than ever vote for a Democrat for the rest of my life. I would never vote for a Democrat because no matter how moderate they may look, behind them, well, it's like this, après moi le deluge, after me the deluge, after me the flood. Après moi le deluge is what the king said. And then they took the head off the king and the revolution followed. You want a revolution in this country? Are you sure you want a revolution in this country? Are you sure you want people killed in this country? Are you sure you want the hordes of street animals released upon the middle class? Are you sure of all of that? Because that is what you are going to get if you don't stop Pelosi and Schiff as sure as I'm sitting here. Oh, they wouldn't do it. No, they would never do it. They're good people. They're good people. They're good American people. They would never do a thing like that. But never forget who's behind them. Take a look at what's going on in the streets of San Francisco. Take a look at what's going on around the country. Take a look at the violence underneath the surface from what they are fueling with their DAs who refuse to pursue cases. With their release of drug dealers, their release of violent criminals into the streets. What do you think they're trying to do? But then I can't just keep, keep on preaching to the choir here. I need to get some callers up who's at, who've actually lived through communism. Maybe I can save one person from the insanity, the insane path. They're on. If you listen to some of the testimonies you're about to hear, just maybe you'll come to understand what is behind Schiff and Pelosi if they are not stopped. Ernie in Santa Rosa, line four. Go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation. Savage. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. I'm, I'm a first-generation Asian-American. My family is from Thailand, and my great-grandfather and grandfather are from Cambodia. They fought against the Khmer Rouge, the red shirts, as you know who they are, because most people relate to them as the brown shirts and Nazi Germans. No, 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 no. I've told the story a million times about the Khmer Rouge. Occasionally, occasional cortex would be the equivalent of the head of the of the uh, red shirts. 
Absolutely. And so um, this being said is I've never met my entire side of my other side of my family because they were wiped out by Mr. Pol Pot and going, okay, yeah, that's what they wanted to do. Great. And my father was there. He's my, my father's American. My mother, on the other hand, is Asian American. He was there until 1975, the killing fields. And you, of all people, should know exactly what that was. Well, I've told the story. I'm the only one in the media who's ever repeated it over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And he saw it there. Uh, my mom got here to San Francisco, the Bay Area. And let me tell you something, Dr. Savage. Us Asian Americans, we absolutely loathe socialism. And what, what's the problem with the rest of these people? They don't get it. Do they? No, they don't. Because they've never lived through anything approaching the terror that you are describing. Their brains have been washed by the vermin in the school systems who have preached the joy of income redistribution and fairness and everything else that follows. Now, before we disengage from this conversation about Pol Pot, the communist in Cambodia, and many people say, what does that have to do with America? Pol Pot was a college professor, a mild-mannered college professor. He was not a revolutionary. He went to Paris to study communism, study Marxism, came back and instituted uh, the Marxist theories and philosophies that he had learned in Paris. It resulted in the killing fields you are talking about. Schiff and Pelosi will result in the killing fields if the Democrats are not exposed for what they are. Would you agree with that broad statement, that broad sweeping statement? Sure. I don't know what he said. I couldn't hear him. But I'm oh, sorry, 100%, Dr. Savage. Because it's not Pelosi who would do the killing. It's not Schiff who would do the killing. It would be the street animals, the Nazi fa, for example. The street thugs that are beating people up randomly in the streets of San Francisco, they would be given the power and the uniforms of the red scarves. They would be the ones to do what I am talking about. It's a very sad day, a very hard day to be an American with what Pelosi has done to this nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We have only a minute left in this hour to talk about what Pelosi is doing to the mind of America, the heart of America, the soul of America. And you don't have to support Trump or love Trump to understand the darkness that she has blanketed this nation with, how evil they are to steal a holiday like this. You know, the Grinch that stole Christmas. Boy, does that apply to this Red Queen, the Ukrainian candidate. Ukrainian candidate, the Red Queen. What a what a movie that would make. It would never be produced by uh, <clears throat> Schiff's friends in Hollywood. You know, Schiff's district used to be very Republican. And then it was infected by the Hollywood types who came down there. A big porn industry in his back. Did you know that? I guess you didn't know that. The Schiff's district includes some of the biggest porn countries in the world. You didn't know that? Look into the money that flows into Schiff's coffers. You may understand where his head is at. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. 
Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. But I believe I just asked him an open-ended question, Mr. Chairman. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories and this and that. What do you want? And it was a very short, abrupt conversation. He was not in a good mood. And he just said, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Something to that effect. Mr. Giuliani's requests were a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit for President Zelensky. Mr. Giuliani demanded that Ukraine make a public statement announcing the investigations of the 2016 election DNC server and Burisma. Mr. Giuliani was expressing the desires of the President of the United States, and we knew these investigations were important to the President. That's the two-faced fork-tongued Sondland today, two sides. Uh, he's, saying, he's saying two things at once. First, there is quid pro quo, then there is no quid pro quo. There is so much disinformation and misinformation coming out. I don't know how people can take it. And that's why people are tuning out. They can't take it. They know it's a partisan hearing. They know that Pelosi has destroyed the mood of America going into this Thanksgiving holiday to a lower level than it's ever been in the history of this nation. Never before has this nation been more depressed than it is now. I'll make that declarative statement at this time. And I'm going to again ask you if you're a therapist, psychiatrist, lay therapist, are you seeing people coming in who are distraught or worse yet, worse than distraught from what's going on in this country? And I'm not asking for their political orientation. This is devastating. First of all, this didn't have to go on for two weeks until the week before Thanksgiving when Pelosi and her pals will conveniently be out of, uh, out of town, meaning they're not going to be in Congress. Imagine the nerve of her that they're on vacation next week, but right up until the last day, she has these hearings, these Stalinist show trials. I don't know what's going on on the Drudge Report. I have no idea. People keep asking me, what's your friend Matt Drudge doing? What's your friend Matt Drudge doing? I don't know. First of all, the headline says, Ken Starr, Republican senators may push Trump to resign. I'm sorry, that's not what Ken Starr said. That's a false, misleading headline. That is fake news. Has anyone actually heard what Ken Starr said? When I read that on the Drudge Report, it said, Ken Starr, Republican senators may push Trump to resign. I was shocked. I thought it was all over. I thought this was the, the game changer. But then I listened to what Ken Starr said. That's not what he said. He said, from what I've been able to glean, I don't think that's going to happen. But obviously what happens today could, has the potential to be a game changer. So again, Ken Starr speaking out of both sides of his mouth. It seems everyone in the media who is being quoted as a double talker, a deceiver, an outright liar. But what is it doing to America? What is it doing to this country? What is it doing to you? Ambassador drops bombs. Which bombs did he drop, Matt? Once he says he did, then he says he didn't. You said followed president's orders? I mean, why don't you just put a picture of a mafioso up there? What are they doing to, to Trump here? 
perfect he isn't. I mean, he's you know, he is what he is. I happen to like the guy, by the way, the way he is. I'm the same way. I'm the same way as him, only he's uh, more of him than I am. The man is the gutsy. They're, they're, they're killing him, by the way. I'm looking at the guy. I've sat next to him. Okay. They're killing this man. This is like the game of killing by a thousand cuts. They're killing Trump. Look at his face. <laughs> Could you take it? Could you take the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune like this? Day and night, relentless hatred, thoughtless hatred, baseless hatred against you and your family day and night. Could you take it? I don't know anybody who could. Can you take it as a listener, as a watcher of the news? What are you doing? Ronnie in San Francisco, go ahead, please. What do you think? What are you doing? Not there. Okay, thanks, Jim. He was not holding. I thought he was. Maybe he, he could have died while holding. People do die while waiting on radio to get on the air. You don't know. They could be dead. Sad if it is. I hope that his wife's going to hear him. Uh, but I asked you earlier other questions. I can repeat them. What are you doing to keep your inspiration going? During the break, I just went out and fed seagulls. I love to feed seagulls. It's like the, the jungle, the law of the jungle. I have old bread. Go to a restaurant. I always take the bread home. Sometimes I eat it in the morning with hummus. Most of the time I throw it to the birds. I have a couple of birds near me. They're like Donald and Daisy. They watch them grow up. They become fatter and fatter. And you should see how they protect their territory. I have a house, a little strip of land, I don't know, about 50, 100 feet in the, on the water. I don't know what it is that I stay in sometimes. And these two birds live near this strip. They protect it with their, with their very beaks and their talons, their claws. If another bird flies in from a neighboring property, to take a piece of bread that they cannot put in their own mouth. In other words, they're gagging on the amount of bread I've gave them, but they don't want the other birds to get a piece of bread. That's Pelosi. Not enough that she's gagging on the wealth, gagging on the fame. Not enough that Schiff is gagging on, an, on, a, on a Congress position. He's gagging on his power, and he doesn't want anyone to come near him. That's why I feed birds. I, I learn a lot by feeding seagulls. I love to watch them caterwaul and turn and drop down like an F-15 on a bombing mission. I'm sure that fighter pilots listening to the show, probably in training in the old days, they must have taught birds, I mean, how birds fly, to teach you how to get into a dogfight. You watch a bird like this, how it flies and then does a complete caterwaul and then go upside down and come at the bread from the other side. It's a fighter pilot in a dogfight. Of course, they were around before the airplane. I have to remind those of you who went to school in California, that the birds actually predated airplanes. I know you didn't know that. But they did predate it, and I'm sure that fighter pilots studied birds to see how to dive. It's amazing to watch them, what they do with their feathers. But most amazing is the law of the jungle, how they will eat to their full. Their mouth is filled with food, and yet they, will want the, they don't want their neighboring bird to have a piece of bread. They'll fight him off if he flies into his territory. Just like what you're watching going on in Washington. This is like a battle between two, two tribes. It's like a battle between two animal groups, Republicans versus Democrats. Finally, though, the Republicans are fighting back with real guts. Jim Jordan is a hero of mine. Boy, is he good. Boy, did he give it to that double-talking hotel keeper. That hotelier really got it from him today. First, it's quid pro quo. Then it's not quid pro quo. Which way is it, Sondland? Which way is it, Sondland? 
Why are you stabbing the president in the back, you cretin you? Paid a million dollars for this job. Probably a Democrat all his life. I don't know what he is. I don't know why Trump hired him. He paid a million bucks to be the ambassador to the EU, probably good for the hotel business. What do you think? Who, who takes an ambassador's job but to advance their business? What do you think? Imagine if I'd been made ambassador to Fiji. Can you imagine that? It would have been, it would have been up, up the river and gone. It would have been in the heart of darkness. It definitely would have been one of the Joseph Conrad novels, I can tell you that. Actually, it would have been probably a, the, um, the, okay, what am I? I'm rambling on now because it's the soliloquy. It's all I could give you right now is a soliloquy. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to die from the lack of, uh, of uh, lyricism and creativity that this is imposing upon my refined brain. But the sound I have is too good to ignore. The novel I'm thinking of is not by uh, what I'm thinking of. It's not Up the River and Lost Up the River. Well, that's pretty good. The Heart of Darkness is what I was thinking of. But it isn't The Heart of Darkness. Now, I was thinking what would happen if Trump had made me ambassador to Fiji. And I actually took it. Let's say I did because I spent a lot of years in Fiji. I love the Fijian people. I love the landforms. I've been in and out of 40 of the islands some of the most remote islands on Earth collecting plants back in the 60s. And there were no telephones in most of these islands then. If you could communicate, that would be a radio telephone. Imagine if I said, Mr. Trump, I would like to be president of Fiji. So, right, so who would want that job? Okay, here, let's take it. All right, I would have wound up like that character, not in the, uh, in the Conrad novels. There's another character. I can't remember his name right now. I love this novel. I, do you ever read novels in the old days where you mark lines and you made notes in the back of the book? That, that was me in the 70s and 80s and 60s. I would read novels by great novelists, not by romance novelists, and I'd make notes because they were so great, so incisive. And the notes in the back of the book became very interesting to read years later, like page 76, blah, blah, blah. So one of them was... I'm going to find the book during the break. I can't remember it for the life of me, but it's about, it was made into a movie and it was great. And it was about the day in the, one day in the life of an ambassador in Mexico. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? If you do, I'm going to give you a prize. I'm going to give you a free pass to my, to my event. There must be someone who knows what I'm talking about, what movie I'm talking about, what book. It's a, Robert is the first name of the author. I, my mind is not on literature right now. My mind is so drilled into this crap that I'm watching every day. I forgot all my literary references. So anyway, it's the day in the life of an ambassador, and he's a drunk. He's on a tear, and his wife or his ex-wife comes to visit him, and it's this horrible day in Mexico with the mountain behind him about to, to explode, a volcano, and the way it was written by this great novelist who has been forgotten by everyone probably except a few people who are into literature is so intense that one day in the life of that ambassador if you're an alcoholic or you like to drink, you've got to read that book. If you're an intelligent person who likes to drink, and there are many people who are intelligent who like to drink, by the way. In fact, uh, there are many intelligent alcoholics. Not every alcoholic is a stew bum, uh, a rummy on the streets. Take a look at the Kennedys. Look how well they did. The beauty of the days when they were drunken in Congress was that you could see that they were drunken in Congress. The problem today is that most of them are stoned out of their mind on pills. They're pill heads. They're pillheads. You know, one of them, and I'm not going to mention his name because I can't be sure, but by the symptomology, I'm pretty sure he's on methamphetamine. One of the Democrats is a meth head. I'm almost 100% sure, and I'm, I'm going to stop right there. That's my guess. There's a, you know how much drug use there is in Congress right now? No, nobody does. And that is why, with so much at stake, I think they should all be peeing in a cup on a daily basis and letting us see what's in their, what's in their, in their system. 
to explain their behavior. That's about all we can do. But what are you doing to survive this? Tell me what you're doing. Do I have another soundbite we must play? I think we do have another one we must play. Such good stuff. Sondland, Sondland, Sondland this, Sondland that. Always smiling and smirking Sondland. He never loses his smile, Sondland the ambassador. That's what a good ambassador is. A two-faced phony. Smiles at you and stabs you in the back with a forked tongue. I love Jim Jordan. Do we have the Jim Jordan? The one is that is that clip 11, Robert? Which is the best uh, Jim Jordan one? Who attended the meeting that never took place? Was that the one? I love that one. Robert, I think that's the good one. You got to hear Jim Jordan, one of my new Republican heroes. Don't say they're not fighting. They are. Don't say they're all rhinos. They're not. Don't say they don't have guts. They do. I've seen new Republicans come up now that are really good. Most of them are Southerners. Here's Jim Jordan in 11. Tell me what you think. When the chairman asked you about the security assistance dollars, you said there needed to be a public announcement from Zelensky. So I'm asking you a simple question. When did that happen? Never did. Never did. They got the call July 25th. They got the meeting, not in the White House, but in New York on September 25th. They got the money on September 11th. When did the meeting happen again? Never did. You don't know who was in the meeting? Which meeting are you referring to? The meeting that never happened. Who was in it? <laughs> you know how people, you, you know how Zelensky <laughs> you know how Zelensky announced it? Did he tweet it? Did he do a press statement? Did he do a press conference? You know how that happened? I mean, no. you, you got all three of them wrong. They get the call. They get the meeting. They get the money. No right to break after. This. It's not two plus two. It's zero for three. The Savage Nation. It's Savage on demand. I'll uh, be with you to the end of the hour, God willing. And uh, if you missed any of the show, you can catch it all on the podcast an hour after the second hour is over. I asked during the break the name of that book, and it was referenced to some, just a thought I had about what's going on. And we have a winner. I'm going to ring a bell. Michael in Davis, California, you are the winner today. Tell us the name of the novel I was trying to remember. Under the Volcano with Malcolm Lowry. How did you, how did you, rem- I mean, I was rambling on and on about, a, you know, a, a day in the life of a, of a, an ambassador, what if Trump had made me ambassador to Fiji, I'd wind up like this character. How did you know it was that book? I just remembered the title and I remembered the, the, the image of the, the council general in the small little town in, um, in Latin America. My yeah, it was, it was in Mexico under the volcano by uh, Malcolm Lowry, published by the way, in 1947. And uh, it's considered one of the 100 best English language novels of the 20th century. That's until the psychotics took over the English departments and turned all great literature into, into fodder. And now it's uh, stuff like uh, Jenny Has Three Mommies. But uh, at the time, it was considered one of the 100 best English language novels of the 20th century. I'm sure Occasional Cortex never heard of it because Lowry was, uh, after all, a, a white male who could actually write, write English. Did you see the film with Richard? Was it Richard Burton? No, it was Albert Finney who played the, the Consul General. Albert Finney, great actor. Yeah, I saw that film. It was really oh, I'm going to actually try to rewatch it. You know, open a bottle of scotch and, <laughs> and watch on the volcano. <laughs> Michael, how are you handling these hearings? You sound like a man, a mature man who's kind of been around and know what's going on. How, how are you handling these hearings? Uh, it's, um, um, uh, you ever hear of Congreve Rockets? No, sir. Those were the rockets the British fired off at Fort uh, in, in, uh, McHenry in Baltimore. And they caused the rockets' red glare and the bombs bursting in air. And if you look up those rockets in 18, the War of 1812, 
they couldn't hit anything, but they caused such huge explosions and huge bombast, the opposing troops would run away. And I know, I know where you're going. So you're saying the Democrats are firing these rockets? Yeah, exactly. And the, when the British captured Washington, D.C., there were more Americans defending Washington, D.C. than uh, the British were attacking it. But once they fired off these rockets, all the militia ran away. So you think Pelosi is trying to scare off voters? Is that what she's doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And I, what I was going to say, that they, the only time those rockets didn't work was when, in the Battle of New Orleans, when Andrew Jackson had a line of troops behind the front line. And those mm. troops knew that if they got scared by those rockets, Jackson's troops would shoot them down. Ah. Uh. You know? Well, it also reminds me of the Iron Dome system that we gave Israel. It just stopped the Palestinian rockets from landing in Israel. And I think that we need an Iron Dome system to stop Pelosi's attack upon the foundations of America. But I'm sending you a free pass to my great event, and I want to thank you for being so literary and calling the show. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You know, there was a time in my life that I set such high standards for myself in order to create a satisfactory purpose for my existence in my worship of God. That's a complete paragraph. I set and maintain such high standards, I'm no longer there. Politics is the dirtiest business I've ever seen in my life. It's filthy, it's dirty, it's demeaning, it's demoralizing, it's uninspiring. And I think the lowest form of human beings go into politics on both, I swear to God. These are not the best people in America. Please don't confuse yourself. I mean, you could say with a broad brush, some of them are good. You can. But by and large, who goes into politics? Generally, they're failed lawyers or vicious lawyers or successful lawyers. Most of them are lawyers, unfortunately, who have used the legal system and gamed the legal system to make enough money to go into politics. And that's why we wind up with what we have. So I'm no longer at that state where literary references mean anything it won't they don't work on this show i mean i i dared wander off into the uh soliloquy that i did that i wonder what would have happened watching ambassador sondland today the way my mind works i said gee i wonder what would have happened if i had asked donald trump to make me ambassador to fiji and then i went into a, a drift the mind drift with you on the air which i've been known to do it was the best part of my radio shows for all the years it's what separated me from the masses of people in the business which is not knocking everybody it's just the way i'm different some like it some don't like it some don't like the drift some do like the drift some love the creativity some can't follow it some hate it they want you to stick to the facts ma'am but that's who i am so i did it today what would i have been and i went into the consul general in mexico in or the malcolm lowry novel right but i remember I got to go back for a minute to tell you where I'm coming. In order for me to know where I'm at, the forest I'm in right now of despair from these hearings, from what Pelosi is getting away with, the evil of Schiff is so clear to me. It's like I'm watching the living embodiment of evil every time Schiff opens his dirty mouth and I see his shiny cheeks and his bug eyes. I know that there's something wrong there. I know there's something wrong there. I don't know what it is. I just know something deep is wrong there, that a man of this low caliber... This level of pathology could be doing to the, this to this country at around Thanksgiving time, stealing the joy from America simply for partisan reasons. So 
I'm in agony of it, so I have to now think, how do I get out of this woods that I'm in? Because I asked you, what are you doing for inspiration? Man's calling, a woman, Marianne, says she sings opera for inspiration. Other people have, have done other things. But I remember I used to lose myself in books, lose myself in literature, lose myself in books, lose myself. Think of the word, lose myself in books. But very little stuff is written today that, that engages my mind. It's too slow. There's no interest to me because the writers are not deep and I just don't find anything interesting. But I remember as a working class kid, and I love, I hate the word working class. Everyone works. I mean, working class, what does it mean? In plain English, as a poor kid, I don't mean street poor, but we were poor. Father as an immigrant worked hard. We were, we were poor by comparison. Yes, he bought a little house, thank God, an attached house, but we never went beyond that. And that was uh, the world that I inherited. As I said to you, it's interesting that I lived on this side of you. Union Turnpike, Trump lived on the other side with the detached houses where he, he was lived in the rich people's houses. It wasn't really a big house. If you look at Trump's boyhood home in Jamaica, uh, up there in Jamaica States, if you want to call it that, it wasn't really a big home by today's standards. It was a small house. Today, I would consider it a small guest house. But in those days, it was, you know, it was significant and enough. His dad, Fred, was a successful builder who picked up used nails on building sites to teach his children frugality and to save the nails. So don't think he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. His father was a very hardworking man. But anyway, he lived on the other side. I lived in this attached house. He lived in that house. I didn't know him. He went to the New York Military Academy. I went in the slush to Jamaica High School by the Q44A, whatever it was. So when I go to college, listen to this. You got to hear this story just so you know who I'm at, who I am and where I'm coming from. I was raised to think poetry was for... Uh, I, I can't use the word. It's a, an impolite word today. But uh, it was a word that was commonly used amongst ruffians in those days. And my father was rather a bit of a ruffian. So if I was seen reading anything like this, he would call me that name, you know. So I was afraid to even be seen you know, loving music or art. That He beat it out of me, which is sad in many ways. I don't know whether it was sad. I probably would have wound up in the high school of performing art. In other words, if I had had a liberal father who was not a tough guy in plain English, and he had encouraged my artistic nature instead of beating it to death. I probably would have been one of those kids like a De Niro who went to the high school of performing art and never went to college. I never would have gone to school. I would have gone right into an acting or something like that, hung around with the, uh, the, the artsy people, you know. Who knows where I'd be today? I don't know, better or worse, who knows? It's, this is my fate. This is where the long road took me. This is where the long road through the dark woods took me you can't look back oh what am i with this what i'd be in hollywood with who these the vermin there that would have been better for me i wound up better than them anyway so it doesn't matter the end of the road it doesn't matter how you begin it's how you end so to make a long story short i go to queen's college i take english 101 and my professor was to this day i remember his face beautiful shock of white hair and piercing blue eyes with a beautiful voice and we'd read poetry now, so I was this kid from kind of the poor background type, uncomfortable reading poetry. And then he was reading a poem by a man I have since become to adore, A.E. Hausman. And when he read Hausman's poetry to an athlete dying young, something struck me like, wow, that was so touching. I couldn't admit that I was touched by a poem. After all, I'd be one of those people my father abhors, right? But I was touched. And I spoke to the teacher and we got to know him, and I got to learn, love poetry, and that's how I got to love literature and books. 
uh, before that I really didn't understand literature at all. I may have read some books, but they weren't literature. You know what I'm saying? Now, you take that arc and you move it now to politics. Here I am in politics. And from my literary point of view, if I'm writing a novel about the times we are living in right now, we're on the verge of a, the equivalent of a Russian revolution in this country. R the Russian revolution is right over the horizon. Trump represents in many ways the last bulwark we have against the hordes who will take away everything we have earned our entire life. They would sack cities, burn them to the ground if they could. Here in San Francisco, it's occurring on a minor scale. You've got white punks in Antifa who are openly, without masks, destroying businesses, etching glass with acid, and the police will not arrest them. You've got the shooting in Orinda where five shoot others, and uh, the police kill themselves, make the arrests, and the prosecutor, the DA, drops the case. So if I say to you where we are from the point of view of a historic literary uh, vantage, we're on the verge of a revolution in this country. Can it be stopped? I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm armed to the teeth. That's all I can say. They want something from me, I'll blow their heads off if they try to take it from me. They got to take it from me with force. I will never give up my guns. I'll tell you that right now. More than ever. I will never, ever, ever yield on the Second Amendment. I wouldn't give up my gun. I don't care if it was 30 federal laws. They're not getting one bullet from me. I'll tell you right now, the only thing that would keep the masses away from us is the genius of the white geniuses who wrote the, uh, the Bill of Rights and gave us the Second Amendment. First Amendment was great. I live on it. British don't have, you know, the English don't have the First Amendment. You don't know that, don't you? The Canadians are not protected by a First Amendment. Did you know that? The Australians do not have a First Amendment, nor the New Zealanders, nor the South Africans. They have had their manhood stolen from them. They can't even say what they know is going on. The rampant crime, the rampant rapes, the rampant crime, the rampant rapes. They, the men can't say a word without the ninnies who run the country, men and women ninnies, arresting them for hate speech. They tried it in this country both Republicans and Democrats. And one of the people who wanted to take me off the air was none other than Nancy Pelosi. Not me personally, of course, but I'm talking about all of talk radio. She tried to pass the Fairness Doctrine along with some quizzling turncoat Republicans a number of years ago. I remember it distinctly. They dropped that one for a while, the so-called Fairness Doctrine. They own 99.9% .9 of the media, but it's that 1% that they want gone. There's no newspapers left in California that would dare criticize anything that any Democrat ever does. Never look into the backgrounds of these people. Never. Never. Any of their double dealings, side dealings, front dealings, back dealings, up dealings, down dealings. Never. You look at the LA Times, a once great newspaper, a piece of trash. Every article in the, in the once great Los Angeles Times, they're going to go by the way of the McClatchy News Services. The very same psychos who destroyed McClatchy, are running the L.A. Times. There'll be no newspapers left. Why? Because of the propaganda nature of these newspapers. At least show the other side, show a, a, a scintilla of fairness. Investigate some of the criminals on the Democrat side. Say that they did something wrong. Never. Tell us what the illegal aliens are really doing to the state. Tell us about their crime wave. Tell us about the decimation of the hospitals and schools. Tell us about the forest fires. Tell us about the diseases. Tell us about the drugs. Never. Every article in the L.A. Times is, is against anyone who opposes the, uh, the juggernaut of the left wing. They won't be in business forever.
But what good is it going to be? Are we going to still have a country left? So where am I going to turn? I'm asking you what your inspiration is. I, I feed the birds. I, it's a funny statement in a way. I don't sit here 24 hours a day feeding the birds. I do it once or twice a day, but that's not my total inspiration. I've decided during this show, I just had an epiphany in this program, which is why I know the show is good for me again. I used to use this radio show as a catharsis, as a thought process, as a place to go to think things through out loud. I did it with you, the audience, for many years. Well, I think I've just done it again. I am so backed against the wall from what Pelosi has done to this country, how she has stolen the joy out of this nation because of her evil madness and her greed, using that, that, that hatchet man, that psychopath uh, Schiff, and that other one, Goldberg, Goldstein, Goldfarb. I don't know what his name is. I don't know where they get the, these lawyers from. I don't know where they come from. So they're smart. Oh, don't get me wrong. Very, very smart. Uh, yeah, okay, but we'll stop right there on, on that uh, situation. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading literature again. Even if I have to go back to the books that once inspired me, I'll read Hausman again. I'll dig up my old copy of uh, Malcolm Lowry's Under the Volcano again. I'm going to go dig up my old moth-ridden, uh, probably filled with all sorts of, if I could find it in a carton somewhere, I'll go back to read Black Spring by Henry Miller. All references that once kept me going. I had dark winters before. I had very dark winters before that I never thought I'd come out of. And it was literature every time that got me out of these dark winters. Nothing else. No drugs, not psychotherapy. Literature did it, which is the value of great literature and the value of great statues and the value of great paintings. They're called inspiring. They are civilization itself. At least that's what I've come to again. Thanks for listening to this soliloquy. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Ambassador Sondland, a lying snake. Looks like he's just trying to protect his hotel chain. Do you think this spells the end for Trump? Has today's testimony changed your mind? Then there's a damn debate tonight. I can't wait to hear those losers. You going to watch it? By the way, I've come up with a decision. Buttigieg looks like Howdy Doody. I've tried to figure out who he reminded me of, and it's the puppet Howdy Doody that I used to watch when I was a little boy. Look, look carefully at Buttigieg and tell me if he doesn't look like Howdy Doody. And then I asked you, what are you doing for inspiration during this darkness that the Dems are throwing over America at this holiday time? Peggy in Auburn, California, what do you do for your inspiration, Peggy? I just turned off all the TV, all the radio stations. I only listen to you because you do go off the track, which I like. And I listen to music now, and I forgot how much I enjoy music. Uh, so you, you also are going back to the things that, that used to lift your spirits, right? Exactly. Now, wait a minute. You're in Auburn, California. You listen to me on a radio station or on a stream? Uh, both. Uh, 5.60 a.m., uh, we can pick up that in the foothills. Well, that's, that's, pretty, good. that's pretty good up in the foothills. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you. Let me give you a free pass to Savage. Uh, I don't remember even the, the link. I don't remember it anymore. Savage, SavageNationLive.com. I'm sorry you couldn't be down at the event. And it's, it's leaving the, the um, Internet at the end of the month. We try to extend it to the holidays, but they cannot do it. The company that posted it. So that's it. You get it before the end of the month. And if you want to see me and the good people who came to that event, uh, SavageNationLive.com. Uh, Paul, California, line three. What's your comment? Hey, thanks, Dr. Savage, for taking my call. So uh, you have, we have to also give credit, I think, to Devin Nunez, uh, in addition to Jim Jordan, Elise Stefanik. Oh, Nunez is great. He's a new hero. Nunez is my hero. Fabulous, smart guy, tough as nails, brilliant. 
Yeah, he, he's able to really succinctly and effectively deliver the facts. Well, we only have a minute left. What did you really call to say? Well, I, you know, I'm doubling down on my focus on my family and building my relationship with God. I think that's so important this time as we go through this. And, you know, I also wanted to say, uh, if you're looking for another good book, another conservative uh, recommended to me that I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt, the story of Frank the Irishman Sheeran and closing the case on Jimmy Hoffa, which is of interest to me. Uh, in that, my Yeah, but look, you sir, don't get me pulled into this whole movie about the Irishman. I don't want to watch it. I think it's I think it's a bunch of old farts trying to make believe that they're hot gangsters again. I'm so not interested in the Jimmy Hoffa story. They couldn't have made a bigger mistake. I don't care if they make five hundred million dollars. It's a dud before it's even published. It's been in the movies. Big deal. Robert De Niro acting angry again. Uh, this one, that one, the Joe Pesci. I don't want to see it. It's all garbage. It's nothing. So I'm going to read Robert Herrick, a poet from 1591 to 1674 who I used to read over and over again to the girls when I was at, at Queens College. And we used to go up to the pretty girls that we wanted to be with and say, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. And we'd read Herrick. And it was to the virgins to make much of time. And Herrick wrote this back in the 1600s. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And the same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. I could read more of it, but I won't. Look it up. To the virgins to make much of time. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. But in those days, girls were looking for boys. And girls were looking to get married. And girls had romance in their heart. And that was America as I lived it. It's not the America of today. A crushed, broken rose stamped on by Nancy Pelosi. The Westwood One Podcast Network.